Dylan Wright is your 450 champion here. Tanner Ward grabbing the motor to win. Is somebody got a light on their bike? It's uh, Zeka there. It's happening, it's right in an off-road. Cash in the back, stadium packed. Born a rock star in this life, gone live it up on the attack. Baby, I'm bad. I just want to get caught up in this life. Welcome to Off the Gate with your hosts, Dylan Wright, Tanner Ward, and Dario Zeka. I just want to stay that stay mad chip on my shoulder because they treat me like an outcast. I ain't going to take that stay back. I'll be swinging on till the hits come in all caps. Hey, welcome back to episode four of Off the Gate Pod. I'm here with uh, my two buddies, Dylan Wright and Tanner Ward. I'm Dario Zeka. And uh, how are we doing today, boys? Yeah, doing all right, buddy. Um, yeah, you're getting into the... Getting into the deep part of the winter here. It's just starting to get uh, starting to get cold. Uh, starting to feel like winter. Where... Yeah, starting to really feel like winter. So uh, looking forward to getting down south anyways. Yep. Yep. I've been uh, yeah, ready to get down south for a little while now. Um, I don't like the winter. I enjoyed the snow for our uh, little vacay there. And that's about it. Now I uh, don't see the outside too much and uh, just drive to the gym, drive back home from the gym. <laughs> nah, no actually no there is one thing i did like about the winter or do like about the winter i uh played some uh odr yesterday outdoor rink it was uh that's the only thing i do like about winter is play a little bit of hockey so that's fun oh boy, boy. yeah i think um i think when it's like minus two and a little bit of snow it's not too bad but dude minus 20 and minus 25 yeah i'm out i'm out like you can't go to the odr you can't do anything but uh yeah sick that actually kind of makes me want to go play some hockey eventually here but uh, i don't know if i get the time man yeah yeah man it was uh my dad made a little one in his backyard no like when i say little it's little but uh it was cool to go out like with my little brother carter and just uh shoot some pucks and uh try and take advantage of just being outside it was nice to get some fresh air <laughs> oh hell yeah dude right on right on right on dario what you been up to buddy oh not a lot teaching uh I was telling you guys earlier, the weekend kind of went quick. Had a, I coach a lot of volleyball and just a lot of sports in general. So it, it, we had like a Friday tournament and it ran into almost 11 o'clock at night. It kind of shortens the I wish the, that the we could – sorry to interrupt. I, right. uh, I just – I wish the listeners, the however many listeners we actually get, could understand your life schedule. I swear you dabble in every single sport you can. <laughs> and just anything. Cricket? Well, yeah, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to think like squash. Yeah, I promise to do that. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, don't dabble in those. But uh, you gotta, you got quite the schedule going on, Dario. Okay, so yeah, if you want the actual truth behind this, um, when I was younger, I played literally every sport in school. Like, I did dirt bikes, but I never went south. So during the school year, I played literally everything I possibly could. Um, and then I remember pretty vividly one time I wanted to play basketball. And there was no teacher that would that would coach us for basketball. So I went around and like begged every teacher. I was like, just show up. Like, I'll coach it. You don't have to do anything. Just show up for the games. And uh, from that point on, whenever I became a teacher, I was just like, you know what? Like, if there's a, a sport that like doesn't have a coach, like, and there's people who want to play, like students who want to play, I was just like, I'll coach that. Like, I don't know. I just remember how thankful I was for that teacher that had nothing to do with basketball and didn't know how to play, didn't know how to do anything, just like showed up. And I don't know. That's my like small little, I guess, meaningful thing that happened in my life that I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let kids not have the opportunity. I respect it. I respect it. The kids need it this day, these days too. I think more than ever, it's, uh, 
Yeah, dude. Rough, and coming out of COVID, like these kids went through enough of like sitting out and not getting to participate and stuff. So it, is it is it tough to get uh, to get people to do stuff, or is it sports uh, sports in school doing well? I don't know. It's kind of like a mixed. Uh, it's a mixed question. It kind of depends where you are. Um, I find it at the current school that I'm at, like it's a little bit tougher. There's not as many kids who are as interested in sports, but like they might be interested in other things which is totally fine i've always been a very sport oriented person so like i kind of resonate with the sport athletic those type of students but uh we're a little bit less athletic at my school this year and it's okay i mean it is what it is but like i think after COVID, nah, it's changed a bit yeah i, I yeah dude. we gotta time. get these kids off of Fortnite and have them play sports man because there's <laughs> a lot, a, in lot my opinion, of Fortnite talk <laughs> yeah because in my opinion there's a lot more, I mean, obviously, whatever, play video games here and there is okay, but I think there's a lot more to be learned, like, even social aspect, and, I mean, we're big sports advocates, but there's a lot to be learned from playing sports, and not just, like, obviously, motocross or whatever, I'm thinking, like, any sport. I played hockey, I played, like, soccer, volleyball, and stuff at school growing up, like, I played a little bit of everything, and I think, you know, that helps in an everyday kind of setting i don't know just my two cents on it we need to kids need to dabble in a little bit yeah. of everything to see what they like and then pick one or whatever yeah and like i say this a lot i say like i mean like growing up race obviously i raced dirt bikes my whole life i played a little bit of hockey and then but like what i learned like just in life in general like life skills from dirt bikes is going to carry me through the rest of my life, whether, and this was before I even went pro and stuff. And like, I know my dad always said and stuff too, like where, wherever dirt bikes end up taking me, like what I learned just from like going to the track, communicating with people, you know what I mean? Like it was huge. Right. And like, I think that, uh, that goes a lot. Oh, dogs are barking. But, uh, <laughs> it goes, goes a far away with, uh, just like any sport, right. Just kind of, uh, communication and especially, I mean, I'm not a big team sports fan. I was always very selfish and wanted to do everything on my own. Hence why I raced dirt bikes and I snowboarded and BMX and there wasn't much team sports going on, but, uh, but yeah, even t I think team sports are big for, uh, for that though. I think the other thing too, with like this, like in my opinion and with the limited students that I've taught in my like short teaching career, but like, it seems like, a lot of these kids today just expect to be good at things right off the bat. Like they don't want to do any of the work that is actually required to be really good at something. And with a sport like volleyball specifically, because that's what I'm coaching right now. And like I played like rep volleyball growing up. Yeah, I was, you did. Co-ed volleyball, buddy. No, it, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's like it's a very technical game. And like I can see it on that side where like it's very hard to just hop in and be good at volleyball at a at a decent level but these kids just expect to be good without coming and like like doing the practice and putting in the work kind of like how we are with dirt bikes like you have to put in a lot of effort to be good at something and it's just like i, I don't think in this just... current generation it's tough to get them to to put yeah, the work i in. think that's <laughs> that's just this generation in general dude i think like um obviously you know we kind of fall into that category somewhat like where we're at but um even the like the kids that like you're teaching and stuff like the next kind of ones even in our sport and everything it's just kind of they expect the world but i mean don't i feel like they'd like a lot of them don't want to put the effort in um mm -hmm. but i and i think that's just a mentality and maybe they'll come around when they get a little bit older of course but um i mean look at the workforce and stuff nowadays man like people 
expect to do the minimum, but then get the maximum amount of pay and everything out of it. I think it's just kind of, <laughs> I don't know, our world's going in a weird direction sometimes, dude. Yeah, well, it really is. I'd say like our society, everything, like when it comes to cell phone, it comes to anything, everything's at the tip of your fingers. Like you don't got to work for anything to do anything. So now with kids having iPads, like, uh, I mean, obviously this maybe reflect doesn't fully reflect on, on work, work ethic and stuff, but just, from the day they're born, everything's at the at their fingertips, and everything's just so easy for them that it's like. So when it, you mean something, a hurdle gets in the way, they just, oh well, I'm not gonna do that anymore because that's hard, right? Where like yeah, there's not a billions. Like, yeah, exactly. and I think like it's important for I mean obviously for kids and stuff like this next generation to, you know, with sports and stuff is that you have the ups and the downs, and then you learn how to deal with it, and I think like for the kids growing up, I think that's going to be for sure, like important. Cause I think, like you said, they're used to everything being so easy. And I mean, technology and everything's great. Like, I mean, even you look at our generation, like, man, we've come a long way with technology and it's, and it's awesome to be even like doing podcasts and stuff like we're doing right now. But I mean, it comes a time where you gotta, you know, put the hammer to the grindstone and figure it out. Yeah. The resilience is definitely something I find like going back to a lot. Um, like the current generation like struggles doing hard things. And uh, like, I even think back to a generation earlier to our parents, they definitely went through a lot more difficult things than maybe we do in some aspects. And 100%. I think it just keeps kind of getting passed down where we each have a little bit of an easier go. And then I don't really know where that leads us eventually. (laughs) And I don't think it's like all, necessarily a bad thing like that no, some no. stuff has gotten easier but uh yeah. but yeah i just think yeah i mean there's some in some instances it can we should go back the other way a little bit but um and yeah like i do also like to clarify i've got a couple of kids that work really hard they take a lot of pride in like their academics especially but i've got a couple like rep hockey player kids that are putting effort in and want to go somewhere so i don't mean to like to paint everybody as one color like there are definitely still kids out there that are grinding and like want to make it in whatever they want to do. Right. Yeah. And those are the kids that are going to succeed in what they want to do. Right. Whereas the other ones are going to be complacent and do and do well in life probably, but they might not make it, you know, in their sport or in their field of whatever they want to do nearly as much as the ones that grind. But um kind of is what it is such as life i guess that's why um some people become pros and i think we'll touch on this in a question that we actually have a little i was gonna say we can dive into this now it's gonna do you want to go straight into that it suits this topic um i think it does it suits this topic actually perfectly um i can i can try and ask this question so my (laughs) team owner brett lee i love the guy but uh we went over this question a couple of times. <laughs> now, Fred, I hope <laughs> I you're listening to this. It's like decoding. Uh, he, says, he says he listens. Yeah, yeah. We're decoding your text messages here, but <laughs> so pretty much what he. Well, I'm just gonna pull this up quick. I wasn't. Uh, wasn't do you want me to do it? I have it open. Yeah, I you. Think you I have understand a it more just. than I do. Yeah, you understand hey. it better than I do. I'm still confused. Bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> We, Brett, like, okay, we need so some autocorrect brother we need some autocorrect <laughs> I, I, I think i think i'm good introducing this because he wants to hear from dylan and tanner so i want mm. i would enjoy hearing from dylan and tanner on the pluses and minuses of factory rides and if you think all riders are ready and cut out for it so he also he gives an example and he says 
is it always like a careful what you wish for type of deal? And maybe you could mention some past managers you've had where you said, you're not going to like what I'm going to say to you. For example, uh, Steve Sims, who he actually quotes, has a reputation for being pretty gnarly. So basically, what are the pluses and minuses of having a factory ride? And do you think every rider is always cut out for it when they get put into the role? Let's start there and then we're going to touch on another bit. Um, I mean, this is, this is, I'm just trying to simplify this because this question could take up our whole pod. Like, like we talked about before we even started this when we were trying to decode this whole question was like, this is, this is a pod itself. But, um, I mean, the pluses obviously is right. You know, we hop on an airplane, we go racing, we have the resources, we have a team backing us. I got people working on my dirt bike as I'm doing this podcast. I just seen Steve sent a thing to our group chat that he's working on bikes and stuff right now. Um, that, so as a rider, I get to focus on training, riding, eating, sleeping, the things to make me the best athlete that I possibly can be. Uh, the minuses, I mean, all that stuff I just said just uh, builds up kind of like uh, you're expected to win, right? You're, you show up to the races. You have all these people who work their ass off uh, throughout the off season to, uh, and they expect you to win and that becomes, or that comes with pressure and, um mm-hmm. yeah and then obviously there's when you, you can kind of break it down a little more like you don't always kind of get to direct or go in ways that you want to when it comes to testing or comes in just little things right you don't always get to go the way you want because it's uh, a team making those decisions um yeah i mean we can there's so many plus and minuses to it but i think that's for me that's pretty much kind of covers the basis of it all right, Dill, let's hear a plus and minus, and then there is a little second part to this that I think is worth touching on. Uh, it's worth touching yeah. on, sorry. <clears throat> yeah, I think, um, like, Tanner touched on the pluses. I mean, we literally, all we have to do is worry about being the best athlete and racer we can possibly be. Um, and, I mean, that's kind of the, the big thing is we don't have to worry about ordering parts or when gear is going to show up or really worry about much other than maybe like, I mean, the Canadian side of things, we have to worry about our practice bikes and stuff when we're at home. But I mean, if anything goes wrong, we can always still just, we have a mechanic at our fingertips if we want, if we need it. Um, and I think that like a lot of the positives are great, but like Tanner said, the downfall of that is, I mean, you are expected to win. Um, and like, especially in the position that I am. Um, <clears throat> like if we don't win, it's considered a loss really. Um, I mean, it is a loss technically, but like if we don't win, you know, the, <laughs> the expectations no, to win and people aren't going to be happy. There's teams out you know? there that aren't gunning for a championship. They're taking different types of wins, right? Like maybe a podium for is sure. a win or for sure. But for you, but I mean, you look at all the, is, right. Yeah. And then you got all the manufacturers like on Tanner's side, like he also, you know, if he's not winning, he wants to be doing everything he can to win. And I mean, so is all the other guys and all the other teams. Um, and that's kind of what comes with it. And I struggled with that the first few years when I was on like MX 101 Yamaha. Um, and I'm lucky they kind of, you know, bared with me a little bit and, you know, kind of went through a little bit of those growing pains. Um, and I think like you look like a rider like McNabb or someone like that is able to, you know, have a little bit of growing pains, but can win right off the bat kind of thing. Um, and I think that's important because a lot of times you can't teach speed, so you can kind of calm it down. But I mean, 
if you got speed, you can generally teams can work with it. Uh, yeah. Now I'm getting off track here a little bit. But, Actually, that um, leads me perfectly into the second part of this question from Brad. Yeah, uh, you're gonna okay. you're gonna have to bear with me while I decode because I'm gonna paraphrase. <laughs> it's not okay. that bad. It's not that bad. Okay, so Brett's second part of the question, and I hope I'm reading this correctly because I am a little bit skimming. But so basically, when riders move into a factory position um, and they're really young, do you feel like they they need time to develop? Do they he, do they have like additional pressure on them as they enter into a factory position right out of amateurs? And if they have that pressure and they end up like becoming a quote unquote maybe flop, could that be the the difference between you know giving them time to develop and then like having them transition to a successful pro? And there's a couple different examples here that Brett uh, talks about. There's a Canadian example where, you know, you guys moved into your professional positions and you were winning races. Or sorry, not winning races. You were you were showing speed and podium potential. I think both of you had podiums in your intermediate year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you transitioned mm-hmm. to a factory team. But then on the other side of things, there's the American example that Brett gives, and it's like the March Banks. He moved straight to pro circuit. Um, he was had his moments but kind of got pushed down and then now that he's at club mx he's kind of like really hitting his stride and uh he's had this time to develop as a professional so that was a lot but basically when you move into that factory ride as an amateur what's the pressure like on you and if you want to talk in terms of canadian moto because i think that's what we're more so here for maybe yeah i i'll take this one to start again like it's so like kind of touching base on the american canadian thing like it's so hard to compare like american canadian like american has such a deep pool to choose from i feel like in canada like once you kind of get into like a factory spot like you kind of you mean you're in in a sense obviously you've proven it to the teams that you're in unless you're like you mean doing bad bad but um so yeah for for me like i think like I think Dylan can relate to this too, but for when I first went pro, I was obviously had a lot. I went pro with KTM, and I feel like that's pretty corporate, like high pressure kind of team to be on. But I didn't feel a lot of pressure from the team, to be honest. Obviously, maybe more than I thought looking back at it now, but I just put so much pressure on myself because I want, like, I didn't want to be a flop. Like, that was my biggest thing. Like, I'm like, I need to be successful. There's no. Like there's, there's no choice. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just put so much pressure on myself day in, day out that like, it actually, that's what probably affected me the most when I was like young. Um, but yeah, like obviously the teams, like, like I said, going back to those plus and, or yeah, positive and negatives of, of being on a factory team, like they expect you to win, man. Like especially right off the bat and like, uh podium as a as an intermediate is for me looking back at it's probably the only reason i even got kind of a factory rider off the bat i think if i would have had a kind of a mediocre year that year i would have went and been a privateer and had to go through the the trenches and and try to uh, prove myself to the teams but luckily yeah honestly with one one good race there in 2017 as an intermediate i feel like it's kind of what got me into the scene and, and luckily that kind of like going back to what i said earlier like kind of in that pool and I mean, I'm a different situation than Dell. Like, I haven't won yet, and like, so for me, I've kind of like bounced back forth the teams, and like, 
but kind of once I kind of got in, I've been in, right? So it's uh, right. Yeah, this is a very open-ended question that we could talk about for for a lot of time. Speaking of that podium, didn't you beat Dylan that day? <laughs> oh, right, dude, on. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dude, that was a bad day for me. <laughs> I know you were wearing my gear that day. Yeah, that was a yeah. It was it's a whole ordeal. It was a it was, that a, was rough a weird day, day in the office from A to Z, dude. Yeah. All right. Sorry. We'll shift over. Um, Dylan, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, I know that was a lot and Tanner answered it really well, but do you, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route, um, on the whole amateur style of thing. Um, so like, are we talking Canadian or American first? Sorry. Uh, Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll do Canadian first, more, more relative to kind of where we're at the U S team and budget and everything is just such a, on another level where they can take a flyer whereas teams here like it's tough to take a flyer um and that's kind of the part of my kind of question is like the teams here have to work within a budget all right so we have a fixed budget of i mean i'd love it to be bigger for everybody i think everybody in this industry would love it to be bigger in canada but we're working with a budget and sometimes it's tight so when the manufacturer wants to win you got to pay the guys to be able to you know, go out and perform and win. And it's tough to take a flyer on a kid grow, like kind of growing into a man realistically in some of these cases, um, when that program may take away from the guy who is either going to win or is, you know, going to be the podium. Yeah. Who's going to be in the running for podium at the end of the year and the championship and everything. These people, is like I don't think is some people understand is how much money actually goes into putting one extra guy in the team. Yes, there's the semi and the truck and the stuff and everything's going out there anyways. But just to build these race bikes and have an extra staff on hand every weekend, extra flights, you're talking extra per diems. Man, we're talking probably I don't know, 70, 80 grand at the end of the year realistically and the team's not paying for bikes um and so i'm assuming that's if, pre-rider if salary if they make any salary that's no, no salary, that's yeah. that's they're not getting paid man that's like the team's that's... breaking even no they're not the kids not getting paid and that goes back to like the generation of some kids wanting the world but they haven't really earned it yet in some because some guys will be like oh well i deserve to be getting paid let's say what um i don't know like jake's getting paid in the 250 class per se um, but like you haven't proven yourself, Jake's won a championship and he's, you know, he's going to be there to win races. Um, and these, some of these kids coming up think that they kind of deserve what he's getting, but in realistically they don't. And this is where my question's going to get long here a little bit, or my answer, I guess, is that when I was growing up, I was, when I got a ride, I was 16. So my 15 year old year, I was either getting a ride the next year or going to college or university. There was no in between for me. It was, I was either making it or I was going to school and going to pick a different career. And, you know, I worked my absolute ass off when I was 13, 14, 15 to be able to get a ride and continue racing my dirt bike because man, my parents, I mean, frankly, we're out of money, man. Like it was costing too much at the time. They, continue racing at the level that you know i wanted to get to and i had to do it man i had to go out and earn my ride and go talk to team owners and team managers when i was 
14, 15 years old. Um, One second. I want to take a quick note on that. Like that right there is so important. There's so many dads calling for their kids to the team manager. 100%. Yeah. Like, I don't want to get you off track here, but like, that's huge. Like, I think I remember when I like first ever called Derek Schuster uh, before I even went pro and like he, like it still sticks out in my brain. He was like, Hey, like I, I think I was like 17. He's like, I credit you for calling me, not your dad. And like, but yeah, that's huge. So if there's anyone listening and you're, you need 14, 15, 16, pick up that phone and do it yourself. Go ahead though. Or walk up to 100%. the first race. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be shy. You gotta, you know, <laughs> it's not easy sometimes to pick up the phone and talk to these guys, but I mean, they're human, man. And they will realistically, even if they're not going to give you a ride, they will give you maybe a path towards a ride or something to work on to be able to kind of, you know, earn it. And or I think that's big is you're going to start a relationship for the future by doing that too. If it doesn't happen in that moment, like, like that helped me again, get on GDR, right. Or not get on the GDR, but like started my relationship before that was before I even signed my KTM pro contract. I had a relationship with Derek. Cause like I talked to him about getting a ride like three, three years earlier. And then it translation or transitioned into three years later, me riding for him because of that. Right. So like, yeah, it just, I didn't mean to interrupt your answer there, but uh, I just wanted to point that out. Cause I don't think, I I didn't, and it stuck out in my brain when Derek kind of, you mean, let me know how much he appreciated it. But like, I don't think kids understand how important that is. Right. Yeah. And I mean, in my situation, do you think Bill Dog's picking up the phone, calling a team for me? <laughs> Dude, that no. ain't going to happen. <laughs> He's like, you want it, kid, you go get it. And that's kind of, you know, what kind of, you know, has motivated me to, to go. And then the other part of my question is as much as Brett is walted and everything, these kids sometimes put, in my opinion, too much focus on a 15-minute moto, or I guess they're 20 minutes at Walton, so they're a pretty good amount of time. They put their emphasis on sprinting for 15 minutes or 20 minutes. But, when, dude, when you show up at a pro race, you need to be ready to go 30 plus 2. It's 450 class, 25 plus 2 in the 250 class, but I don't care. It still should be 30 plus 2 in my opinion. Um, and you need to go 30 minutes. So these kids that are looking for rides – and Brett, don't pick this the wrong way. Train like you're going to race 30 minutes and go to Walton. Yeah. And your 20 yeah. minute moto will feel like, I don't know, a walk in the park because the tracks should be a little, you know, less rough or not as gnarly be, as it will be on pro day. I might I be know. wrong in this situation, but like, I think that mentality comes from the training facilities down south. Yeah. Like, they're so focused on their four lap, four lap area qualifier for loretta's four lap regional qualifier for loretta's like so those yeah. guys are like, oh the, the guys in the states are doing it so that's why i need to do it which is i get it if your goal is to get to go like be a pro down there because you have to prove yourself at loretta's but yeah do you really have to like i, I don't know man like yeah, I, I don't like walton's important i think we every kid racer needs to race walton i did every year except for like maybe one or two it was hurt or something like well, it is important to get your name on the map and be there because all the teams are there. We're there watching all the pro guys back, are there. And going back to like pressure, like Walton's Walton, right? Like it's not just, you're not 100%. just showing up at the local weekend and you know, just Ontario people are there, or just BC people are there. Like everybody's there. Everybody's watching. Like, like if you're doing that at a young age, you're going to learn how to race with pressure and understand like, like I mean, that, those yes. uh, circumstances. So like there's a lot to it. And, yeah, like, yeah. dude, I used to put so much pressure on myself at Walton and Loretta's over the years, and it's honestly helped me today to kind of maybe 
broaden that curve a little bit, make it a little bit steeper, you know, when you're learning in the pro ranks, because there is the pressure, but it's every weekend, not just kind of once or twice a year. So I think for that, it's important. But the intermediate kid or the young kid, I like, man, I was 13 racing the intermediate class or whatever. Dude, I showed up to be able to race the pro day. Yeah, I mean, every kid's different, right? Like, yeah, I mean, every bit, you know, like with size and everything with bikes or whatever, it's all it's all different for everybody growing up. I was lucky I was a little bit taller, so I could hop on a big bike earlier. I think whatever. When you show up as an intermediate at Walton, you need to be able to do that 30 minute moto on Sunday. Yes, you need to be able to win during the week. But let's be honest, at 15, 30 minute, 20 minute moto, when you're trying to get a ride on that pro team, you need to show up ready for the pro day on a Sunday and not just trying to win the intermediate class throughout the week at Walton. And I think that's where kids don't put enough effort in. They can sprint for 15 minutes, get their place during the transcan, show up on Sunday and suck. It's just the way it goes. And I think that they need to work their ass off just a little bit more and it wouldn't take that much. And just do the motos during the week. Do the 30s. It's going to help you in the long run for your 15-minute Transcan or Loretta's moto. But that's my two Yeah, cents. 100%. And like, yeah, like I I feel like I might be wrong again, but I feel like there's no – a lot of these kids are so worried about Loretta's and their B-class uh, status and stuff. And, like, they, they don't take advantage of what we can do here in Canada in this race as an intermediate. Go in there, no yeah. pressure. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm at – I feel like that helped me a lot coming into my like pro career was racing those races as an intermediate and like having, like I trained for the full year leading up because we knew that I wasn't going to do Loretta's that the, in my intermediate year, it was like, screw Loretta's. It is what it is. I did it. And like, let's focus on, you I mean, getting a ride here in Canada. And, and I'm yeah. happy we made that decision. Cause like for me, I raced Watling and Canela, like all us three grew up together and like we're came into the pro scene at the same time. And like, obviously they both kind of they both did get rides too but like i feel like i gained so much more by racing the canadian nationals doing the 30 minute motos two motos a day like dude my dude. first race i go for man dude i almost passed out i didn't realize how gnarly <laughs> and i was training for it man it was cold. Yeah. it's gopher and it was gnarly and like i was running yeah. up front so it was good but like yeah man like you i learned a lot just by doing those races and i don't think kids now are like i don't think they realize like how important that is and um and like how much you can learn just from doing that. Like, I think, like, I think Medaglia did, like, all the guys did it. Like, I think Colton oh, yeah. did it. Like, all the guys that are champions here did it. And like, I mm-hmm. think that's a big, it's like, it's a big stepping stone to help you transition into the, into the pro ranks. Dude, Even my like, first race, I was 14 years old and I put it, I was so nervous. I was running, I don't know, <laughs> sixth or seventh. Dude, I hit a breaking bump, swapped out, went right into the creek at Sandy Lee, man. But it's just part <laughs> of learning. Like, awesome. you got to go through it. But yeah, but you got to go through it. But I mean, yeah, you got to be able to do the moto if it goes well, too. <laughs> so yeah. even your teammate Piccolo, like back when he was on KTM, right, he still had those moments of flash where it was like, like I remember pretty vividly watching him run up front at, at Gopher. And like I, he was taken off on Pettis there for a minute, and then he hit that wall at the 15 minute mark. And I don't mean to be like, like talking bad about uh, Jake or anything, because he obviously came back and won the championship the next year. But even just showing that little flash of speed, I feel like is the difference between getting on that factory ride in Canada, so to speak, and 
not and just being a kid who has a lot of potential but didn't show that that moment would you guys do you guys agree that you need to have some sort of moment or some sort of flash like that i mean yeah it can go so many different ways like yeah you can't teach speed and like i mean that's piccolo's biggest strength man he's his his raw speed is unbelievable but then you look Mm -hmm. on the other hand like like my new teammate quinn man he when he went pro like no disrespect to Quinn, I love him, but he was he was nobody, and he just put his head down. He worked his ass off, and like just just kept picking away like, those positions, yeah, building, 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 and mm-hmm. and like he's proven himself, and and now he's got a ride, man. Like that's just another way of getting ride. You don't have to get. I think this kind of relates back to Brett's question: is like you don't have to come out of amateurs, and you don't have to have a ride off the bat. Don't don't not do it because you don't have a ride. Like don't oh no one's picking me up, so why am I doing this? Like no, put your head down, grind, figure it out. And if you want it bad enough, you're going to end up in the position that you want to be in. And especially in Canada, it's a little bit, a little bit more affordable. Like you don't have to go all in on bikes. You don't have to go all in. You can cut a couple corners. You can save some costs and like still show or still be at the races. Right. Yeah. And this goes back like, like those kids that are like, there's quite a few, there's a handful of kids that are like, are on the like cusp of like, probably deserve a ride maybe there's no not a ride available for them right now like pick up the phone give Derek schuster brett lee matt Duroy, uh kevin tyler give them all a call and if one of them wants to supply you with bikes and that's all they can do or something do it because that's a foot in the door like do it and show them that, or if you have to like, run some graphics and you maybe you get a little small discount or you get some team yeah help, like like it's, it's a foot in the door of, and then if yeah they're going to see, and then if you're putting in the work behind the scenes and they can, they can see that, that, you mean that, that, that's a lot, that shows a lot to them. And then the next year, like, okay, like this kid wants this, right? Like if you're like, oh no, like, I'm just going to do my own thing. I don't want to be on your bikes. And like, they're not going to see your program. They're only going to see you at the races. And like, they're not really focused that much on you at the races. Like they have a lot going on to begin with. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's not, it's not a one recipe fits all. Like, I mean, I feel like Dylan and I are somewhat similar just like i feel like that's why we can like we're pretty close buddies we kind of came up the same like didn't our parents had f all for money and it was either we're fucking making this happen or we're not like there's there's or yeah, you don't get no choice we're, there, fulfill we're your dream. no it, there, there wasn't a choice we're fucking making this happen pretty much yeah it was <laughs> it was we're making it or yeah that was yeah i was 16 man we were there i was either making it or not making it and like you said it's not gonna happen all the way that way like i got lucky you know kevin tyler took a chance on me and like you said with quinn going a different direction you can work hard like put your running shoes on get fit work on your speed because that's one thing you can't teach is you can't teach to go fast and just have that kind of flip the switch kind of raw speed you need that but you can work on it and refine it and earn yourself a way into it the other the other thing about it is you gotta you gotta be able to work with the team as well right tenor like you would know yeah that oh yeah being a good guy and you know being respectful and being able to work with what we have goes a long way with team owners and team managers you can't be i mean still in our situation where we're you know where we're a little bit more veteran in the sport now but you still can't be a dick and just demand the world like you got to understand that we're working with the or the team's working with a budget we're all have the end goal of the same you can't just be coming in and throwing punches and expect them to 
do everything exactly the way you want it because you know sometimes they've already been through it and have grown through it and been like that didn't work so we're not going to repeat that again but some you know you got to be able to work with the team you got to be a good dude you got to be respectful you got to respect the fans you got to respect your teammates you got to you know know sometimes when you know what you need to just shut up and learn well, yeah and to take simplify, it all in and go from there to simplify all that you got to be to be a professional racer you have to be professional <laughs> in the end of the day right like yes yeah yeah you can't I mean, you see it, man. You can't be a dickhead. Like those no. guys kind of get pushed out and they just, they don't in quotation fit in, right? Like there's, yeah. you're representing these big companies for myself, Kawasaki, yourself, Honda, and all the other sponsors that go along with it, with the teams and right. And it just takes, takes one, one guy that's writing a big check to your team to be like, Hey, I don't like what this guy's doing. He, uh, I seen him, you know, tell a fan to F off. He didn't want to deal with them. That one time can be like, yeah, that can be, that could make maybe not necessarily, it's going to ruin your career that one time. But if you're always doing that, yeah, it's, you're, you're going to be gone pretty quick. Especially here in Canada too. Like our everybody community is so small that, you know, <laughs> it goes a long way to just be respectful and you just be a good human being. And I mean, because generally if you're giving your hundred percent, so is the team and everybody else, but you just have to learn how to work as a group. And that, you know, that comes with time and working with different people. And I think we, you know, we've all been there and it's, it's important to be able to kind of work as a group and everybody have the end goal and everybody kind of work towards it. I think, you know, some kids yeah. get off track there. Yeah. And like round up all this and stuff. Like, I know, I think one part of his question was like, like, what do the kids who don't have the ride, like what, what, what would they need to do to get out to, to get a ride and stuff? And like, don't, don't say that you want it, prove that you want it. Like yes. prove to the people that you want it. And if, I mean, if you prove that you want it, you'll get what you want. Give me a call. I'll gladly try and help. <laughs> We're all here for like, can I, put your, uh, <laughs> can I put your phone number? It is uh Dylan's phone number is. <laughs> yeah. No, I, was, I was thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I generally will try and give it like to kids at the track or whatever. I generally will try and give a helping hand if they're kind of on the edge or, um, you know, just need the, the put in the right direction and yeah but yeah come talk to me i'd gladly give my two cents on kind of what's going on or whatever um yeah yeah i agree I all think, right we're gonna move I mean, on I from want... this uh <laughs> this 40 yeah. that was question. that was a good question and honestly i think i think um yeah if there's anyone else like else listening out there just dm off the gate pod on instagram or even our personal stuff like the more questions the better i like that it was a good question brad as as hard as it was to understand at first it uh <laughs> yeah it clearly like it was Poor an Brad's getting question. shade thrown at him oh uh, hey if there's anyone anyone on my team that's listening they'll like mel's probably gonna be laughing her ass off right now she, she understands, the, understands it the best that anyone with his text messages but um no that was a good in-depth question and i think um no it's, it's kind of cool cool for us to even just chat about it right there for me like it's it's a little reminder of like okay yeah like it's cool to see where we're at and like kind of where we came from and and uh yeah looking back and hopefully hopefully some uh someone can learn from what we said there yeah 100%. it's nice to reflect on that stuff and to hear your your opinions on it i think uh i don't know i think you guys add a lot of value and like you can actually mentor a lot of kids that want to be where you are just okay. before we before we go away from this, I think I think too like what you'll see from like myself, Dylan, 
I feel like we could have McGagley on the pod. We could have Colton on the pod, Pettis on the pod, everyone. And we're all going to have relatively the same opinion. And it's because we kind of all have that same mindset. And we, from the get-go, we wanted this. This is all we wanted from day one. Yeah, 100%. It's just been 100% focus on that, right? No, try to limit the distractions. Carry yeah. on, Dario. Uh, Dario all right. We're going to uh, <laughs> we're gonna move on to another topic. So Supercross is three rounds deep. We are one good race and two mutters. What do you guys think about the season so far? <laughs> Let's just start with mud. <laughs> uh, Dylan, Dylan, take it over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we touched on A1, but man, the last two weekends have been um, honestly <laughs> a little bit of a shit show. Um, it's hard to predict, man. We, I do a little bit of fantasy here and there, but dude, it has been all over the map. And with mud races comes, you know, unpredictability. Uh, and man, we've gotten it. We have been... Uh, that first weekend in San Fran was honestly hard to watch. I almost you know, turned it off because I honestly yeah, felt I agree. somewhat bad. The conditions were so gnarly. Like <laughs> one of those weekends that uh, I was watching and was like, you know what? I'm not that pissed off that I'm not there right now, you know, um, because <laughs> hey, you get like that too. Hey, eh? watching races, you're like, fuck, man, I want to be there right now. Not that one, though, dude. I was yeah. like, <laughs> dude, OK, guys, coaches feel I kind of want to be there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, they can have that. I yeah, like you said, I love like slobbering around in the mud. Yeah, <laughs> love it. But uh, yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been interesting. I mean, did I expect um, you know the guys who got lapped in San Fran to do the lapping the next weekend on like uh, Sexton and Tomac, and then with you know getting lapped the next weekend? But I, it was dude, it was you- all over the map. And it was not on my uh, my bingo card or however. Did you that, see the uh, stat yeah. that Plessinger and Ferrandis are the only two that haven't got lapped yet? Yeah, it's gnarly, dude. Like that's it's the just whole, it's, it's the whole season. Yeah, mind blown. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And dude, it equals. I know it equals out, but in my opinion, like a outdoor mud race, maybe a Supercross mud race, dude. It is so dang start dependent. And staying oh, yeah. out of this shit show on the first couple laps. Just look at the yeah, guys, man. Like you go, go you go down, lap. yeah, or you go down, and then you're you're bundled up with it. You get caught up and push off the track or whatever on the first lap, dude. Your race is screwed. There's nowhere to go. So yeah, I you look at think, look at San Fran and like you look at the heat races. Like the guys who got the whole shot won, and they won by big margins, like yeah, twenty seconds yeah. in the heat race, like huge, just because they're able to get a clear track. And they were, you know, you're not pulling tear off in the first couple corners. It's clear vision, hitting the jumps right out the bat, big gap, and then maintain. And then just stayed there. 100%. Yeah. Make, make mistakes. And um, kind of obviously the same in the mains. Like the guys out front had a big gap. And same thing. They got both got good starts and kind of just did their thing up front. And actually, I guess, I guess at San Fran, uh, Sexton's lead wasn't too, too big. Like, um, uh, Tomac was coming. Tomac was there, but. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at even if you look at Sexton, like yeah. Tomac wasn't too far back on the at San Fran. Like yeah. it's just I don't know, man. It's just it's in my opinion, it's 
these supercross mud races takes away from the experience like these guys are so was... polished and perfect and everything that like okay once in a while it's all right but two in a row i'm like dude we need yeah. a dry weekend to get this season undergo yeah. because i think the next like a2 i think they're calling for decent weather this weekend but like i think the season really starts now and these guys are just like get me out of yeah, this show of mud yeah it's go time like the only person who's like probably scratching their head right now is like kenny he's He's like 18 points back or something, which is still not that bad considering oh, he's had dude. a couple bad rounds. And like, Kenny had his last one. I was happy to see at San Diego that like once main events rolled around, like it was a raceable track. There was passes happening. It was still like, yeah. it was still managed mode. And, like it was gnarly, like jumping in between those rhythms and stuff, how gnarly the oh, rest were. And it was, you had to be on point. And we've seen even Kenny, man, just like he's got a little bit of wheel spin and just. Yeah, dude, kitchen as well. Thing very similar crashes right like they're yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's just and if you look at like a guy like joe his season's championship hopes are over man like oh yeah uh like it's done like the other guys are so far ahead now and whatever but and i know like yeah we they you know it's super cross it's dangerous and this and that but (laughs) they gotta start riding a little bit of mud like i'm not saying a lot because it's dangerous and stuff like that but just a little bit it just i mean so you don't look like a fish out of water was it was it brayton that said it on race day live or was it quick i don't know who said it but someone was like yeah like they're talking about prado how in belgium and stuff in the winters they ride in the rain every day and and then he's like here in america yeah we it starts raining we pack it up the track is is closed i I'll give us I'll give us that deal. Like we'll like obviously I'm not trying to toot our own horn here, but like we'll ride through shit. Like obviously like oh, yeah. you gotta pick and choose your days. Like obviously again going back to budget, I'm not trying to destroy a motorcycle if I'm down south, but like if I'm doing my motors and it starts raining and pouring muddy, like I'm not pulling off, man. Like I that like, can no. happen at the races, right? And I I give us like Canadians credit for that. And like I feel like we're kind Dude, of some of the most fun not... I've ever had on a dirt bike is in the mud. Like yeah, man, my first ever professional. No other choice. Yeah, my first pro win was in the mud, Walton. Good old yeah. Walton. What's oh, yeah. uh, what was your what's the gnarliest mud race you guys ever did? Go ahead, Dario. Oh, dude, it's Walton. It's Walton. And I mean, there's uh, multiple think... gnarly Waltons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I think Dylan and I might have the same answer, but go ahead, Dylan. I'm curious to see what you have to say here. Oh wait. yeah, mine is it McMahon Valley? Was, uh, that one was pretty muddy, but the one worst one that I ever raced, <laughs> I think, in my opinion, it might just because I sucked and it was complete, like it was not a good day. Was Regina twenty sixteen? I think. Oh, okay, was, different different answer than, than I thought. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and that one only comes to mind because, dude, it was like a really bad day from the start to finish like i got a flat tire in qualifying but like the qualifying you only had the one on the day so i was like taking a gamble to try and get a hot lap i got one in that was half decent to like whatever qualify get a decent gate pick dude but i got a flat tire and i don't know if any of y'all have been to regina but it is like really really hard base but they till the shit out of it so super deep and i caught like an edge with like basically riding on the rim caught an edge the wrong way and just like endo down this cliff into <laughs> these trees and like dude i couldn't get my bike out and then we're struggling to get my bike ready for the race and then we ended up going out there and dude i just and then it got like hot and sunny 
and we there was like a part of the track that they cut out where we were just going on like a grass track and dude it was it was the gnarliest thing like i've ever raced in like i was young (laughs) and pretty dumb back then so it was just like probably full clutch and just like blowing bikes up but um (laughs) not like being smart about it probably one bit dude just you know trying to give her trying to give her the fucking berries as much as i could and it did not go well <laughs> uh but yeah that's probably my gnarliest one and trust me i've ridden some pretty gnarly mud races but that one just i was young and man i just remember like hitting the ground a lot <laughs> all right was he oh, yours? um man i have so many but the one that comes to mind is Abertrude 2018. Oh, yeah, that one <laughs> doesn't even come to mind, dude. I made cross. it like three quarters of a lap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I'm surprised you didn't say that one. I'm like, you did a three quarters of a lap and your bike didn't move didn't, anymore. It didn't, it didn't count as an experience in my head because I barely, I barely even started the race. <laughs> yeah. I think I went dude. down on the start and I'm like, no, my race is over. And I just like, Dude, I've never in my life felt like I've got was going so slow. You couldn't go anywhere, man. It was no. like so. I'll give some backstory on the on the whole day. So, first ever triple crown event indoor arena cross Abertrude BC 2018. Oh my! Day God. before they're bringing in the dirt. I'm like stepping on. I'm like, oh damn, it's pretty good dirt. And like, but then you're kind of like the more they brought in, the more frozen it looked. And you're kind of like, huh, huh. <laughs> anyway, go to bed that night. Get up in the morning, and I look at my phone and. I see a video of the OTSFF, which is an old team here in Canada. They're doing press day or they're riding the track with, I didn't even know people were allowed to ride the track, but I'm happy we didn't. They were so muddy. I'm like, what is going on? Get to the track, find out the, the dirt is thawing out. It, well, it's, it, well, it's inside. <laughs> it was frozen, man. And like when I push my bike up, like we push them up in front of the starting gate in the arena cross, it was like I was... I don't, like in a foam pit it was like i was trying to push my bike through a foam pit it was like yeah it, i don't even the weirdest thing i've ever dealt with in my life or ever experienced in my life yeah go out there and like you're yeah going nowhere like getting off the gas it's your bike's diving meanwhile no one no one's prepared for a mud race right we're coming to an arena cross i think there's one power washer on site yeah, everyone's yeah, fighting no for power it washer. yeah it was it was quite the experience and like yeah, it was probably the gnarliest. I want. I think I don't know. Like I think just with it being indoor, tight, like trying to go over like the finish line, jump and stuff in the mud. It was uh, quite yeah. the experience, dude. I remember calling yeah, around that morning. Like we were like as a team, we we're calling dealers, calling random people in the area that we knew to be like, "Do you guys have a random sand tire we can buy?" like just a paddle because like no we weren't prepared for it like for you know no one was like everyone sent their tires everyone sent their bikes like with the triple crown guys right so like yeah they had like one bike a small parts of a small parts bin just i mean arena cross racing right that's why like yeah um, yeah we love arena cross it's easy simple like oh this was uh not easy and it was uh not simple no Dude, my clutch, my clutch, dude, was one full piece. It, like it came out of the bike, the whole the dude, bottom we were, basket. We were pitted to be side together. And I think even <laughs> after practice, your clutch was fucked. I remember, like, it's oh stuck. yeah. So I mean, everyone's clutch was probably fried. Like, oh yeah, was 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 special. Oh uh, yeah, I got a. <laughs> good talking to on the flight back from colty too about (laughs) it was a long flight back to tallahassee (laughs) oh my god uh 
Colton's good at those uh, long, hard talks. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can I change my answer now? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Okay. I, I want to say McNabb. Okay. That so. one was gnarly too. Dude, I almost didn't. Have... I won the race, and I almost didn't finish that race because I fucking crashed in the last corner, and my this... bike was like suction cupped into the inside, and I could barely pick it out. Like I literally just picked it up. Dude, did two fifties race before four fifties that day? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you remember how? Remember how the start took off, went left, and did like a chicane? (laughs) Yeah, I got dog there. It was great. I say yeah. Yeah. I I was about to say I had a good start. I come around the first turn and there's fourteen guys in front of me. They all cut the track. (laughs) Dude, I couldn't (laughs) see, man. (laughs) I literally down that street, watched you guys, and I just pulled the tear off, and I was like, oh, I guess we're going straight now, and just followed the rest of the pack. I was like, what Uh is going on here? But yeah, that was a gnarly race. We're going to go back to the pluses and minuses of being in a factory rig. I drove 32 (laughs) hours. Yeah, 32 hours in my box van. I slept on the side of uh, what do you call that? The Transcan Highway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. me, Ryan Derry and Brayden. We're all like in my cube van on the side of the highway. Actually, like a funny little side note, we were watching on my phone as the Raptors won the uh, the NBA championship, like on the side of the highway. Okay, thirty two hours. We get there. <laughs> Didn't know the Raptors won a championship. <laughs> yeah, in twenty nineteen. <laughs> All right. Do one lap of practice, one lap of qualifying, and one moto, and turn around and go home. Uh, I was like, yeah. wow, that was we'll a lot of gas. Driving. Yeah. We could have probably tried the second moto too, but yeah, yeah, we should have. It was you're already there, you're deep into it. We were lined up, dude. Yeah, that we was were. also the were day you, that uh, as... Mike Brown raced. <laughs> Dill, when they like winning that moto, like for me, I think I got like fourth. I'm like, ah, like it wasn't okay, but like for winning that moto, when they canceled the second moto, is that like a sense in a sense? Was it a sense of relief? Like, fuck yeah, like I'm gonna get the bonus check, I gotta win. Yeah, go home now. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I wasn't like, I yeah. We probably could have raced it or whatever, but I mean, dude, I would with the way my West Coast went. Like, I was all doing pretty good with points or whatever, and I was like, dude, there's so much like a bike blowing up or whatever can go wrong. And I was oh, like, yeah. yeah, the bonus, the bonus check's gonna clear and whenever, a couple weeks. <laughs> I was like, maybe. a couple months maybe, <laughs> and. uh uh i was just like dude let's get out of here and go home and colt was the same way so we weren't like because colt did well too so we weren't like super mad about not doing the second motos could we have probably done it yeah dude but then when i got the phone call on tuesday that i was getting docked then i was like mf or we should have raced this goddamn second moto <laughs> um yeah but yeah because then the you know the conversation quickly Dude. turned there so it might have been uh the team that i was on at the time that my doctor protested that oh dude yeah i don't yeah yeah, <clears throat> well, yeah maybe i don't know pull a tear off sooner and don't go through the start straight like that dude i didn't even know like <laughs> when <laughs> i was back dude, dude, you couldn't pants. even they see had the stakes they should have had banners and stuff too, dude yeah, i'm not even gonna it. lie like i could i could fully like i can fully honestly say like obviously back then people wouldn't have believed a dang word that i said but you I didn't even know I was off the track. I just followed a random fender in front of me that I could just see the color because I had like roll offs on, but with a with a tear off over top. 
but like I grabbed the tear off, but it like sh- it slipped my roll off. Anyways, it was a shit show, so I yeah, couldn't then, see anything. And I then th- the next corner, you pulled your garbles. Like, yeah. yeah, I was behind you. I'm like, oh yeah, let's go, Dylan's yeah. out. Yeah, second <laughs> corner because like, dude, I couldn't see shit. So I didn't even know I cut the track to be honest until I seen some film and I was like, oh, okay, that probably yeah, I may have deserved it. Like looking, I was pissed. But then when I seen some video, I was like, I may have deserved that. But I honestly didn't even know I was off the track. I literally just followed a random dude in front of me that I was like, Jesus, take the wheel. And I threw my goggles in the second corner and was like, I need to get to the front or my race is going to be done. (laughs) That's completely fair, because like that's exactly how I felt coming into that corner. But the worst part of that track, the worst part of that track was going up that booter jump. The face oh, dude, was like a like vertical on wall. The, <laughs> on the water truck lane, dude. Yeah, man. Oh, man. Half that yeah. race. I drove 32 hours to Manitoba to race a water truck lane, basically. <laughs> the, the, I remember watching like the rest of the race. Like Obviously, I got docked on the start. And then I was just pissed because I watched the race after. I'm like, there's not one person that stayed on the track <laughs> the whole moto. Like, And I get it. Obviously, I gained a, whatever position or whatever. You can't do that. Yeah. I, I understand I was wrong, but I was like, my God, man, there's like, it was just a free for all. It was like, it was like, nom, dude. It was just like, yeah, go wherever gnarly. you want, make it happen. We don't care. <laughs> I knew yeah. Thompson did more laps off the fucking track than he did on the track. <laughs> no, well, not that guy. Dude. Uh, uh yeah, that was, uh, I squeezed man, it out and Gurky. That was unfortunate. Well. <laughs> that was unfortunate because that track was sick, man. That track was really sick. Yeah, that was a good track. In 18, dude, that was sweet. But because practice was pretty good. Like the first practice was like, it was like misting, but like it wasn't too, too bad. And then it came down. Came yeah. down. But, um, um, okay, let's circle back because we got a little bit off topic here on the mud, but we were talking Supercross originally. You guys want to talk? Uh, I don't know. Do you want to talk the Plessinger yeah. win or do you want to talk Jet and Anderson or Jet and Ando? Jet and Ando, man. That's funny. all right. That- I yeah. I feel like Dylan might be a little biased on this because uh, he's a little yeah. Oh, okay, but, says you. Okay. Anderson's a little cowy, isn't he? Uh, I'm not corporate like Dylan, you know man. I'm not corporate. I, think... I don't. Just... <laughs> yeah, We've got two corporate most... opinions here. Uh, no, I'm the most corporate guy I... in the room. I think. Okay, I'm the I most think... corporate guy in the room. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> all right no on this whole this situation like i'm sure everyone's kind of seen the video out there of like so jet and and kind of almost get together on that face so then anderson cuts him off on like the last little single uh, not called for but was it dangerous not really and then i didn't see anything else really right, wrong with what they were doing maybe we missed more than what that video caught and i'm i like jet he's an unbelievable rider he's a cool kid he's doing unbelievable things for our sport Mm-hmm. Justin Bieber of motocross if no one's seen these ESPN but <laughs> anyway I just think he doesn't know how to lose I might be wrong but yeah yeah I just don't know if he knows how to lose man he's won so much the last four years now he's wondering uh what's going on and again yeah. he's gonna come out this weekend he's gonna probably dominate because that's what he can do because he is the best out there there's no doubt about it but because uh, I don't know if you, you guys see the other video of him freaking out to his mechanic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When was he was that throwing like a hissy fit, man. Yeah. Uh, I right after. after the race, like after the race, and like 
Dude, back in San yeah. Fran, he threw a little hissy fit in the middle of the track too, when like he fell over and his roll offs were hanging off of him, and he he definitely looked like he had a teenage moment. Yeah, and like I mean, yeah, I think we forget I think he's that he's 20, only, like but, twenty years. Yeah. yeah, he's twenty years old, but um, yeah, I just I mean, again, we could like Ando is like sneaky kind of can be dirty so like maybe there's more to it than we didn't see on the video but if yeah. he's just mad about that like about him cutting him off and he's throwing that big of a temper tantrum over it yeah uh, i don't know i don't know if getting into it with ando is the best thing because um dude that's a nah, that sentence like why why do yeah, you want to get into it with anderson or with barsha and you're trying to win yeah. this championship why yeah, Anderson Anderson will take himself out to take him out, I think. So, I don't know. Maybe not the True. best choice, but again, it's, uh, he's going to be fine, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Yeah, don't stand quiet on the topic. He doesn't want to <laughs> ruin his friendship. Well, yeah, obviously, Jet and I are buddies. But, um, yeah, was it a smart um, thing to do? Probably messing with Ando? Probably not. But, and this is Corporate. where I'm going to go different. No, no, this is where I'm going not corporate. Is it's so that... perfect. No. <laughs> no. no. Um, is that dude, yeah, it's probably not the right thing to do with Ando or Barsha. I get it. But I like the fact that he doesn't give a shit. Like if it's Ando, Barsha, whoever, you don't like what he did, tell him you don't care. I mean the right thing to do maybe not you're young probably a little bit dumb in that scenario like i think if this was four years down the road or if it's his brother hunter is a little bit older i don't think this he has that little hissy fit but dude i like i don't it. know like, i saw hunter had a hissy fit with uh robertson um yeah that's ago. true yeah that's true so i don't know i like it i like i like that part of our sport like i think you're like me tanner like I said like a lot there, but um, like in hockey, I like, it, I like, where, it, I like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> in hockey, you know, with you know, chirping and fighting, and maybe not fighting. We should, probably shouldn't fight in our sport, but getting into um, it a little, like the fighting in hockey and getting into it, dude. I think it adds to like the experience Man. and everything. And as long as guys understand that there's a fine line between like being, you know, sometimes too dirty and being like there got to be a certain amount of respect like between Jet and Anderson in this scenario. Yes, you can say, you know, F you, F you. I don't like what you did here. This should change, that should change. They're going to have a difference of opinion on the, the whole ordeal. Anderson's trying to keep Jet behind him and Jet's trying to get by him and Jet didn't like something. But I, as long as they keep it somewhat to a, you know, genuine level of respect, I think it's okay and I like it. It adds a little bit of like fire to the sport. Um, you know, it adds some excitement there. Do they need to go to a level of like sometimes where Vince Freeze goes? I don't think that's good for anybody. Is that yeah? Do I that's think that's the difference yeah. there? Oh, I I I'm full on like I I love it. I love that they were grabbing each other's helmets and like right. Yeah, but I just but that's the fine Jet, line. I think I think on yeah. Jets end, everybody on that racetrack that is a competitor to him doesn't want to see him win solely because sure. he's been so dominant. Like you don't hundred percent right, and he's got a target on him, his back, like it or not. Yeah, but now he's just gonna create an em enemy. Where like, if he would have just rode away, you I mean kind of gotten mad Anderson at the probably would have thought with, nothing with of it. Yeah, Anderson thinks nothing of it. Goes on next weekend, whatever. But now, I'm like, if there's an opening, Anderson's gonna take him out solely because like 
Anderson's that guy that probably likes the clout that he's going to be taking Jet Lawrence out anyway, right? Like he's kind of got that. Yeah, like, right. yeah I, I don't know. I just like, I just like, you know, vibe. Jet doesn't care. He just doesn't. Yeah, give I a like shit. that too. Like, yeah, yeah, I like that. Clean he's not, not scared. I think but... Jet would be like, clean me out, man. Let's can go. I, but can I get your opinion? I don't know. Will it hurt his? Cha- will it hurt his championship in the end? Probably. Yeah. But I mean, it's kind of growing pains, right? He's got to grow into this 450 role. Like we all say, like. The 40 class is the big dog class and you gotta, you gotta learn how to race it. And this is just part of it for him. I think like, it's just growing pains, I guess, in this situation, like, but yes. And I think part of winning championships and being one of the greats like Carmichael or Dungey or Villapoto or even Stu Reed is you got to learn how to lose. And I think where you said was he still has to learn how to lose. I do think you definitely have a point there is like, you gotta be able to take, a little bit to be able to, you know, get these championships. And I, I don't know yeah, if, if I had a guess. If I had a guess, anything too, like the frustration he was taking out on Anderson was just the results from the last two weekends, right? Like he had a really mm-hmm. bad result last weekend. And then he's looking to redeem himself here this weekend in San Diego and then has that press day crash. And like things are kind of yeah. spiraling backwards for him, which he hasn't really had since his rookie. For well, sure. No, not his rookie year, but like the his first year as number eighteen on the two hundred and fifty when he kept crashing. But since yep. then, man, he's been so dominant. So like, yes. you kind of forget how to you forget how to lose. You forget how to manage those emotions when things aren't going well. And like, yeah, he's gonna learn quick. And he's he's a super smart kid and a super he's an unreal racer. So, in the, the day, he's gonna get back to winning here soon, and and it's gonna kind of all fly by. But it just hopefully these next two to three rounds, he doesn't get uh, the short end of the stick from the twenty one and and that yeah. Matter. Some other guys because now now they see how vulnerable he is and how he kind of controls himself in those situations and like yeah. if i'm sin you know like i'm gonna throw a wheel in with the in like in like for sure a little bit because now i know that he gets he starts to freak out when things go bad right so yeah okay uh, wait yeah. can i quickly get your opinion on this yep if you're jason <clears throat> anderson you're running fourth and jets behind you what are you supposed to do just roll over and let this kid by like what is Jet so, expecting like, I did you that was mad about the whole fight for that position? He did cross over, but like Anderson had a point to be mad too. Like Jet came in and they almost collided when he was taking. I know it's a small little double, like that right hander, yeah. Up, no, the left hander when they came about across the start, turn left where Kenny crashed. Oh yeah, yeah. They kind of like Jet clipped uh, Jason as they took off, and it was right. honestly the same thing that happened with Webb and uh sexton i think those lines just kind of came together i don't think yeah. jet did it on purpose but in the situation anderson's probably like f you what are you doing trying to hit me on the face of a jump mm-hmm. and then so he just kind of like break checks him and, and hooks a hard left while they jumped out and like i'm sure that's in jet's mind he's probably like oh you're cross jumping which yeah i won't consider that a cross jump but no so i don't know man but like, i think also later I, down I the, the road jet kind of goes out of his way to provoke anderson like he i think it's after the finish line they land they make the right hander he runs him right high and looks back at him it's like dude you're poking now like you're you're causing this situation yeah in that situation yeah. like i think like when he ran him high he needed to find somewhere to get by and when the tracks that kind of stop car is kind of thing like right you kind of need to you kind of need to do something and i don't think need you look to do back it to because yeah like you got to you got to like take him out of his momentum a bit. And I think the only reason he looked back was because like, he didn't want to get completely, you know, disintegrated in the next corner. So he was kind of just <laughs> yeah. protecting his inside. I don't think it was like a look That's back. Like I, F- you look back. I think it was like, I'm okay. going to protect, I'm going to, I don't know if it's like art here, but I mean, that's how I would. That's how I would have played the situation, being like just looking back and just kind of protecting your six a little bit. Like, am I going to get completely 
you know, yeah. slam base well, in the next corner. Something yeah, that's like Jet is really, really good at too. And it's like, I when growing up, I was always told, don't look back, don't look back, just focus on what's in front of you, focus on what's in front of you. But Jet is really good at understanding his surroundings. He looks yes. back a lot. He he sees where people are. He just he's he's everything comes at him so slow and he's so controlled, man. So yeah. I honestly think thinking he can kind of look back. All right, how am I gonna play out this next situation? Okay, boom, he's not close enough. I'm gonna go to the inside and get back on with my race. Don't gotta play yeah. defensive. Right? Mm-hmm. He just he's just smart. He's smart that way. And and where like honestly, some of the other guys might have I mean, didn't don't look back, and Anderson's right on their ass, and then they get taken out the next corner because they didn't realize he was right there. They thought they stuck. Yeah, them. those sure are the little things why he's before. is yeah. Those are the little things why I think Jet's really good. He's just, I mean, there's a lot of things, but uh, he, everything comes at him so slow, man. Like his the way he processes the dirt bike track is, is unbelievable, and like we could sit here and like I mean, I was just talking shit on Jet, but we could sit here and, and just talk and break down all the little things that he does and like that separates him from the others. But like just the way he processes the dirt bike track and just it's gotta come at him slow, man. The way he just is able to see stuff differently on the track is like no others. It's very stew like and like things gotta come at him slow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of saying that. Like Yeah. I mean he is the best in the world for a reason and his whereabouts and knowing what's going on is insane. And uh yeah and i think like just to close on this subject i think like jet's got a good enough circle of people around him like obviously being i don't know involved with it a little bit here and there but is that dude there's so many smart people that are going to coach him through this scenario that Mm -hmm. like i think it'll just it's just growing pains and i think like obviously he's not going to let it bother him i don't think but you can be sure that dazzy and johnny o and Lars and everybody probably had said, Hey man, that's probably not the smartest thing. Like, I mean, Dazzy probably had a few more choice words for him than that, but (laughs) like the, he's got, he's got a good surrounding there to kind of, you know, keep him, keep him grounded and being like, he'll be fine, man. I'm guessing I do. He's like, why there's that apology as well. Yeah, if it's dry this weekend, look out, dude. He's gonna have a little fire under his ass. Yeah, start getting some starts, but to close up on the situation too is like. He's got an ally out there now too. Like Hunter's not doing too well in the championship, so if things start to go sideways, man, you know the '96 is going to show up. And- <laughs> yeah, especially when it's blood. Like, yeah, yeah. Like you see him looking in the video. He's like kind of going to stop. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, and then just like ah, it's not too bad. I'll let my brother yeah. get his little his face rattled a little bit. <laughs> but dude, yeah. I don't know. Grabbing the helmet. Yeah, I don't know. This is my last hey. thing on this. Like, grabbing the helmets though, like that is kind of where it gets dicey. Like. He probably shouldn't do that, but dude, that you know. yank from Anderson was pretty aggressive. <laughs> like, I get that yeah. Jet put his hands on him first, but holy, did he yank that helmet? <laughs> yeah, that's where the fines yeah. came in. If they didn't touch each other's helmet, it would have been fine. That's where the fines yeah. came in. The AMA has to do something. In, in I think they should have put them on probation or something. I don't think they need to find them. I don't, yeah, know. whatever. I think it's just because they have the money. If I just like, ah, oh, there's yeah, some yeah. free money. I've yeah. been on probation, dude. They, I, they donate you, they donate no. <laughs> yeah, yeah i've been on that shit a few times <laughs> i think that's speaking kids or... up on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude halfway else man <laughs> yeah i'm i'm gonna let you introduce the the last thing we're gonna talk about here tanner go ahead yeah I mean, we've we uh that question from brett definitely got pretty in-depth which is uh was pretty rad so it took up quite a bit of our time but um Gonna circle back a little bit off of uh, off of the whole dirt bike thing, and uh, if you listen to our first 
podcast, we talked about the Corey, uh, Corey Perry situation and the Blackhawks and what happened there. And I don't have too much to say about it, but uh, again, I I follow uh, hockey closely. And unfortunately, my Leafs are going through a little slump right now. But um, Corey Perry Thank signed with God. the... Yeah, Corey Perry signed with the Oilers today. I'm not sure if you've seen that deal, but um, me and me and Dario talking about a bit about it uh, earlier, and uh, I watched the press conference briefly before we hopped on the pod here, and just, there was not much to be said. He said, um, which I'm a big big advocate for, is he went and got some mental health help, and um, it still doesn't really make the situation clear what happened, but. Um, yeah, kind of cool. He's gonna being a little bit open about it, and um, yeah, cool. He's, I think it's kind of cool. He's getting a second chance. Obviously, I don't know what happened, and that's the thing that's kind of shitty is a lot of people are calling him out, but like no one actually knows what happened. So until proven or innocent, until proven guilty, I think should be kind of the what should be happening here. But again, I this don't. Is know. This is your lawyer wife coming out of you right now. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah, I've learned some big words about being, uh, <laughs> being in a relationship with a lawyer. But uh, no, it's um, yeah. I don't, there's not much to be said, honestly. Like me and Dario listened to that, and there, we didn't get much out of it. They started talking about hockey, and uh, oh, they just talked about him as yeah. a player, and not really so much what the situation was. But it is cool to see yeah. somebody like that get another chance, right? Yeah, yeah. I think hopefully, the... hopefully, he doesn't do something stupid again. Yeah, I seen the signing. I think it's cool. Like, I don't think you can be written off. Obviously, we don't know what happened, but I don't think you can be written off. And the fact that like a guy, NHL and stuff like that. I mean, we've seen it with like Price and stuff going to like be getting help and mental health and everything. Like, obviously, yeah, you Izzy. I mean, with kind of your foundation, what you're doing, and um, I think it's cool. You know, it has to be talked about more. Like you and I and Dario can talk about as much as you want. How much it affects, you know the racing side and the sports side of it. So I think it's cool. That's a lot of more of these guys are coming out and talking about it, even though, you know, they, all these tough hockey guys or moto guys or whatever. But, um, I think that part's cool for people to learn on. And then, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's good. I think it'd be a good fit for the Edmonton as well. Yeah. And like, like the whole, like, obviously like, again, we don't know what happened with Corey, but like going to the whole mental health side of, of being an athlete and, like it's, it's a good opportunity opportunity for me to kind of touch on this is like i don't i don't think people realize like at least i even myself i didn't really realize it till last year of like how how much your mental health actually affects your performance right like i like i haven't even really talked about it even much with you guys but like last year with even the start of the year and like coming off an injury and stuff but like i was going through so many different things and like definitely not in a good spot mentally and it showed in, in my riding in my racing and then that just kind of piled on top of each other and like going back to what we we're talking about before how much pressure we put on ourselves and like it's uh i don't think it gets talked about enough as an athlete and obviously we're you got to be mentally tough right and like um yeah i don't think it gets talked about enough uh just just how like it affects your performance right if you're not if you're not uh mentally there or mentally strong and and uh things can go sideways pretty quickly and yeah kind of circling back to the whole Corey perry thing like i mean he definitely wasn't in a, in a spot mentally and and i mean starts drinking and again we don't know the whole situation but uh one you thing start going down another, a little right? bit of a tough path yeah you start going yeah. down a tough path then you do stuff that you regret right it happens yeah and... exactly but, but uh, uh hey another uh more like uplifting topic 
yeah. that kind of closing it out a bit, dude. The, uh, I don't know if y'all have been watching football a little bit, but uh, Kansas City Buffalo last night, good game. Obviously, I'm a Kansas City fan, but it's Kansas uh, City. Is that um, is that Taylor Swift's team? Yeah. Oh yeah, who wouldn't know, <laughs> dude? Uh, dude, don't get me started dude. on that. Uh, Taylor Swift fan, Dylan is. Yeah, yeah, uh, don't, yeah. Don't get me he's started. Actually, on watching this. it to get the the little yeah, get, get the little, little glimpse of Taylor, dude. Yeah, 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 no. dude. If I wanted a glimpse, I could just open <laughs> social media. Like, uh, I'm God, not a man. I'm not a big football fan. Like I obviously it's playoffs, so I'm paying a little more attention. But it's, uh, I watch Sportsnet every morning with my coffee and. Yeah, I saw this morning that uh, the Bills kicker, man. Speaking, oh, of, hey, speaking of mental health, obviously we're bringing it back oh, to there. Yeah. But then I see he had a deactivated today, and yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean it's I, a tough thing, man. Like I almost commented on it today with someone. It was on Twitter. Someone's like, he's getting paid twenty million dollars, blah blah blah, and like he like blah, blah blah. I'm like, man, until you're in those shoes, you don't know. Like that is, yeah. Like you think he messed up on purpose, man? Like. Yeah, his goal was to go there and miss a kick. Like, come on. It's, I feel bad for the guy. Obviously, like, right? Like, that's where the cream rises to the top. That's where great athletes become great athletes or moments like that. And yeah, it just wasn't that guy's time to shine, I guess. And unfortunate for him. Obviously, as a Kansas fan, you're happy about it. But uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Poor guy. Poor guy had to deactivate his Instagram, probably getting roasted. Yeah, I, dude, I've said it on this podcast. I don't like social media for, almost these exact reasons but yeah uh, yeah if you're that guy you well one you got to make that kick two these people have to fucking understand that he's a human being all right he may have been i don't know a centimeter off on the kick yeah yeah like yeah he's a human uh, it was, being man. it was like you're 42 gonna... yards or something right it was a pretty big kick yeah. i don't like it no it was a it was a long field goal but like on the practice field he's probably making that kick nine out ten of ten, out times. ten yeah or ten out of ten honestly yeah. yeah yeah like he's making that kick but Dude, these people on the internet, he's a human being, man. Make mistakes. It happens. Yeah. Like, sorry, it's your playoff game if you're a Bills fan. Like, yeah, shitty time for him to make a mistake. But, like, dude, the, that team's carried them. Like, and this is where we can relate to Moto is this team has carried the Bills in this deep into the playoffs, man. Like, obviously, he's an incredible player made a mistake same thing with like dirt bikes guys if freaking you know hampshire is maybe decent example like has a flawless race whatever is doing his laps makes a mistake with three corners to go and finishes oh, seventh yeah. and people are gonna roast him for it dude he's a guy out there he's, doing his best on a and shitty he's track trying yeah. his balls off like there's yes. no lack of effort there and like he's getting roasted for like yeah but like in the day like no one else is in that moment but him and like there's no one like yeah it's, yeah that's he's a great balls off and he went for it he went yeah. for it and he's definitely getting roasted because like kind of puts him wouldn't say out of the championship but yeah so, that was a good yeah. good example this is related but unrelated do you guys ever just like whenever you're on like a sports page or like we're talking about social media so you see a post and it's something like that you click on the comments and you see like what these guys are saying I don't know if it's just me, but whenever I see a stupid comment, I click on the profile just to see what type of person has the audacity <laughs> to like, like, why do you think it's okay to hide behind a keyboard and say this? Oh, dude, don't get Like, you're running a that. username that's not your name. You're like, you're nobody. You're a ghost. Like, that is so I, gutless. I touched base on that a little bit with that ride with me this year. With, I, uh, 
just obviously I, when I do like ride with me for people who don't know, it's like a bike ride I put on for mental health and stuff. And I just touched base a little bit when I was doing my speech, um, just about social media and just how, you know, yeah, people, yeah, people can hide behind a keyboard and make their life look so perfect. And like, yeah, it's a little bit obviously like the making your life part look, uh, look so perfect, a little off topic, but yeah, like it's so easy for people to get behind the keyboard and like, there's no consequences at that point. There's no, none. like I can, I can say the nastiest things to you over, over text or over Instagram or something, Dario. But like, if I say them to your face, it can get, it's going to get to the point where you're probably going to punch me in the face. And then I'm going to have to live with that. And right. And like maybe get my ass kicked. If I say things that I could say over a keyboard and like, again, going back to social media, like it's, it's awesome. Cause we get to, I get to have a job, right? Like a lot of my, a lot of our like racing, a lot of it's social media and promoting sponsors and doing podcasts. But then, yeah, then you have this part, which sucks. Yeah. yeah. I just wish like, dude, if you're not going to say it to the person's face, don't say it at all. I, that's how I was growing yeah. up. Like my parents, like if you're not going to, you know, it's not constructive or something mean, don't say it. Like it doesn't need to be said. Um, but yeah, I think we can close on that subject just with yeah. like this kind of downside of sports and the upside was that uh jason kelsey was shirtless in the oh, crowd with a bunch of fans which is sick like i love it <laughs> I love oh dude it, That's it awesome, was man. it was all yeah yeah yeah. he's retired now man get to watch yeah. his brother i mean yeah, his brother's cool. uh honestly kind of like with the whole taylor swift thing as much as like people are hating on it like raw football fans or whatever are hating on it but like it's bringing a lot of highs to, the, for to the sport of football, man. A lot of people are watching football right now, and it's kind of why people are hating on Jet. You know, they're doing their fan thing and like the, the call, being called the Justin Bieber motocross, and like he's doing good for our sport and kind of it is good for dude. The sport, even right? Pink yeah, dating so. Carrie Hart, like it's a, it's kind of like yeah. that. It was good for for Moto at that time too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. But... No, I think uh, every sport needs a little, you know, uplifting, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's. I mean sports in general right now seem to be doing well so it's good yeah all right boys i think uh i think that's good we touched uh touched base on quite a bit there and i think um we're well over well over time once again i didn't think this uh i thought an hour was going to be you know the perfect spot but it seems once you get into yeah. into these combos it's pretty easy to just keep rolling with it keep rolling with it but uh i don't know about yeah. you boys i've been loving the podcast i've been uh we've been getting good feedback Taxi boys the other day that uh, I was at the gym and some guy came up to me and was like, "Hey man, I've been listening to your pod." I'm like, "Yeah, that's right." You're that podcast guy, bro. <laughs> it was actually a funny backstory. Podcast people. <laughs> funny backstory on that. It was actually Bannon, um, Matt Bannon, yeah. Coachworks, uh, that told the guy to go do it because I guess he sent a photo or something of me to to Bannon. He's like, "Oh, go ask him if he's that big podcast guy." So, <laughs> that's so if you're listening funny. to this, Bannon. Um, I don't know if that was supposed to be a chirp or a compliment, but I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, life, life's how you see it, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, glass yeah, half full, uh, not empty. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, like Tanner said, if you guys have any questions or something, like uh, yeah, we'd love to kind of hear from if you get some questions going, kind of like one from Brett and everything. I think it's great, and uh, obviously, yeah, we have our own opinions on a lot of stuff. So send them yeah, in. Maybe, and, maybe uh, we can. Uh, if you guys DM us at uh, Off the Gate Pod, maybe we can make a little segment of your guys' questions, whether if it's racing, you know, life, whatever it may be. Um, obviously, most of them are going to be about racing, and just kind of you want to get our perspective on on the uh, anything yeah, like really, Canadian like, moto professional, like our 
our sport's so much different than the States, right? Comparing it to the States, it's so much different. We have to approach everything just to like, in the, in the sense the same, but in the sense different, right? So it's, uh, yeah, we definitely have a unique way of going about what we do here in Canada. And yeah, and if you got any questions even about uh, what it's like to be a teacher, if you want to be a teacher going <laughs> up, no? I know, I think it's pretty rad, right? I yeah. think uh, you just, you have such a different perspective on just even the race and stuff than Nostereo. And I think, uh, yeah, sometimes, pretty- sometimes we have very similar perspectives, but yeah. sometimes we don't. I don't know. That's kind of what the make, like makes the world and go around having difference of opinion. It, yeah. <laughs> and if you have any, uh, if anyone's hitting us up on Instagram, off the gate pod, even, uh, give your thoughts on what, uh, maybe our, uh, viewers or our listeners, questions what we can name the segment i don't uh maybe you guys will have something cool for that too so uh yeah boys i think this is uh it's a wrap that was another good show another good uh pod for the boys that was good hell yeah dude hell yeah episode four in the all book. right yeah thanks for listening cheers. and uh we'll see you guys at the next pod cheers, cheers y'all stay back i'll be swinging on till the hits come in all caps i ain't gonna lay back pray that someone's gonna help me ain't nobody like that I ain't gonna wait, that's all fat Give me one shot and I'll never get the throne back